CM Punk has been fired, Payback and All Out are in the books, and Jordan has to face the Meltzer. Hello ladies and gentlemen, my name is Adam Hayes, and on this week's episode, we have back-to-back -back reviews of not only WWE Payback that happened on Saturday night, but of course All Out that happened on Sunday night, and of course, as I said off the top, we'll probably mention CM Punk getting fired, because everybody else is. And of course, Jordan is going to be able to finally hear what Meltzer's ratings were for All In, and Jordan will then retract and then give his predictions, rather, I said predictions again. I did a fucking edit to get rid of that thing, and I still said predictions. His predictions of what Meltzer should have actually given these star ratings, because Jordan will give his star ratings, rather, for WWE Payback and All Out. Fuck, we have a lot to talk about. Jordan, how also, are you? Good, but do you also realize you said predictions a third time? Fuck! <laughs> <laughs> Whatever, man. I don't even care. We're here. Punk's fired. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, okay, here's the deal. A lot of people are going to be like, all right, which side of the fence is at Jordan and Adam on this one? Clearly it sounds like they're on the, the Jim Cornette slash CM Punk slash... You know, logical side of professional wrestling. And look, here's the deal. I understand that CM Punk is an asshole. He will be the first one to tell you He's a that, that he is a hothead He's a asshole. volatile hothead. And that mistakes were made on both fronts. But However. Why would you, why would you openly provoke a known volatile hothead? What would you, what did you expect was going to happen? I think that, I think that's exactly what he was hoping for. He, by the way, of meaning Jack Perry, for the record. Of course, if you have no idea what we're talking about, I'm sure you do. It's been all over the social medias, uh, and it's been the talk of the town all weekend, especially leading into Collision and then All Out, which, by the way, was in Chicago, uh, which was hilarious, but considering Tony Khan, when he was having to give his I'm sorry speech... Uh, to everyone in the crowd before Collision started, saying that, like, well, before, you know, it, before I, I brought in CM Punk at the United Center, and I'm giving the speech that I've had to let him go here in the United Center. Before it went on the air, and in a video pre-tape, when it went on the air. So, like, people had to listen to that twice. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, so CM Punk... Look, Jordan, I, I, I'll give your... I'll ask your opinion, quickly, on just the, the entire manner. And then... I'll give you the question that a lot of people are asking. If and when does CM Punk go somewhere else? Or do you think, rather, CM Punk will go somewhere else, i.e. the WWE? Because, of course, now termination means there is no 90-day clause. There is no, no none of this he stuff. He wasn't released. He was fired. So, of course, the you know the marks in a lot of us are going to be like, oh, CM Punk, WWE, this could be his chance to you know come back or whatever. But, like, what's your opinion on this? Well, first of all... By the I, way, his opinions do not reflect everything that myself or Walworth believes. Go what ahead. What do you think I'm going to say? <laughs> I'm protecting my ass. I, po <laughs> I posted something about this like an hour after this all went down. It amazes me that we live in a world where someone can openly antagonize you on live television on and also on pay-per-view. Like They were about 15 minutes before going live on pay-per-view can openly antagonize you, look in a camera, say something that no fan would understand unless you were like one of the quote-unquote smart fans who reads the dirt sheets and knows that they had an altercation about using real glass in a segment on Collision that I guess Jungle Boy went and talked to Punk about it. Punk said, I don't think you should do that. And I guess he got butthurt about that. 
But when you look at a camera and say, whoa, really, see what this is when they're doing spots on a car, real glass, Crimea River, clearly that's directed at one person. No one else is going to have an understand what the fuck you're talking about. And you willingly know that that person that you're directing this smart-ass comment at is behind the curtain ready to go up first because his match was the first match on the pay-per-view. What did you think was going to happen when you got back through the curtain and you knew he would be there? You think you're just going to let that slide? You not think he was going to confront you? And then when you confront them, you're the one who gets fired. Makes zero sense to me. Well, of course, uh, Tony Khan was saying that he was threatened for his life, and in the 30 years of being a fan of this that... industry and four years of being in this industry, he has never been put in a position where, where he, he has feared for his where he's life. feared for his life and stuff like that. And it's like Vince McMahon took a punch from Bret Hart after he did to him what he did to him, and he didn't he he didn't fear for his life. And look, I understand too. The wrestling industry, just like the world, has changed. Some things for the better, some things for the worse, can be debated on both sides of which kind corn you, cor, that cor, corner you want to stand in. So I understand completely. I think that the wrestling industry, to certain people, should still be treated the ways that it was back in the 70s and the 80s. With respect? Well, no, 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 no. I'm saying some people believe that, you know, things should just be settled backstage the way that it, they should because it's the wrestling industry. This is still a kayfabe sport in a way and we want to be able to protect at least something you know considering 99% of the world knows every little detail that happens so they want to be able to keep something you know mystique about it and then the other side of the flip coin where it's like look we love this industry so much but we want to be so heavily involved in everything like my wrestler's favorite likes where he goes out to eat everything that he's doing on twitter like you know what I mean? All the stuff that's happening backstage. Knowing all the things like about a movie, almost in a sense, before you actually go to see the movie. Finding out every, you know, speak, sneak trailer and stuff like are that. You trying you to, are you trying to say that we don't need to know half the shit that goes on back there? Like, we didn't need, this didn't need to be a thing? I don't think it needed to. And I think that's the sad part. Because, like... Well, who leaked the information? That's the sad part. Well, I mean, anybody is going to leak the information for the right cost or any... You know, person, especially well, when like, all eyes in the world were looking at that stage right there with 80,000 people. So, I mean, again, both sides of the coin, I can see the argument for. However, at the end of the day, there is no denying the fact that AEW has lost a credible cash cow in CM Punk in the future. They lost the biggest star they had. What do you think is going to happen for AEW's stock moving forward? and their credibility of future stars coming into this company. I think their stock moving forward, it's going to take a hit because it, initially it's not there's no denying that CM Punk brought a a large piece of audience to start viewing that product that they did not have before he got there. Like I don't think you can deny that fact. So now that he's gone, especially on the Saturday night show like, the, the ratings for Collision were already kind of, like, they were leveled, but they, they decreased significantly from when the show started. I think now, especially now that he's gone and the, the soft roster split that they had to keep him away from the Elite, now that that'll probably be erased, and Collision will start to become a lot more just, like, dynamite, 
I think people are going to turn off of Collision because they're going to be like, I could see this on Wednesday nights. Why am I going to watch it on Saturday too? So in other so, words, Collision's going to turn into Collision's going to turn into Dynamite w, w, Light. Well, I was going to say WCW Saturday Thunder. Night. Yeah, it's going to be the same thing. Like people are going to say, "Why well, don't need to watch this because I I can watch Dynamite. It's the same stuff." Right. So I think it's going to take an initial hit. And your other question about bankable stars. Well, being, future stars coming into the into like into AEW now. I don't think. I don't think there'll be an issue with that. What I do think there'll be an issue with now is established stars who have a following, who have a fan well, base. Well, that's that's pretty much what I meant. Who ha- okay, who have yeah, who have a following, who have a fan base coming in. I think now a lot of them may be hesitant because if you're not <laughs> If you're not on the side of a select camp of people in that locker room and in the office, they're not going to want you there. And they're going to do everything they can to try to sabotage you to get rid of you. Well, final thoughts on this matter before we move off the CM Punk topic and on to other things. The fact that he said that he feared for his life, to me, just sounds like it's lawyer speak. Like, that was that gorilla. There would have been dozens of people behind that curtain waiting there. Nothing was going to happen to him. And the wrong guy got fired. Like, for Jack Perry to do something like that, to, to say a stupid, smart-ass comment that really had no reason to even be said, and risk putting a black mark on that event, on that <laughs> event with 80,000 people being there, that historic landmark event, he should have been fired. I said I would. I said even when that post I made, I would take a one CM Punk over a thousand Jack Perry's any day of the week. An underneath guy, an underneath preliminary guy, should not be able to mouth off about a main eventer and get away with it. All like right. you're not a star. He is. All right. Well, there we go. Um, moving on to our next subject. I don't know how we can be able to segue that. I mean, this event did happen in Wembley. Eighty thousand people on the Saturday uh, for All In. And you gave your first ever Jordan's rankings live here on the air. Yes. As I mean live, I mean as we're recording this. And you sat here right here on this couch, and you gave me your reasonings and your star ratings for All In. So we, of course, have now officially Meltzer's ratings, and we're going to be able to compare if Meltzer agreed with you or not. No oh, goody. So this should be a whole lot of fun. So, and of course, if you have no idea what we're talking about, of course, Dave Meltzer... Dressing Observer, huge historian for the last 40-some-odd years. Um, I believe that... I, I think he's been doing star ratings, I believe, since The Observer has started. But regardless of the fact, I mean, why we're also doing this, too, is because there has been the notion that Dave likes to play heavy-handed to the AEW cards when it comes to his stars, and Japan as well, rather than the WWE. And that his star ratings should be taken as gospel. And while your ratings, you are just, you know, you know, a small-town bird lawyer and a quarterback arm, you know, booker at this point, you know. Yes, I'm an armchair booker. An I'm armchair booker. I'm not a lawyer. <laughs> you know what I mean, though, in the sense sure. of, like, you really have no cachet in the industry. No. But you, for the most part, like to call a spade a spade when it comes to this stuff. So yes. you're going to be calling your opinions versus his, yes. who his 40 years of the industry versus your, what? 30, 33 years I've been alive. All right, perfect. <laughs> <laughs> okay. 
All right, so the first matchup, of course, you did not give an official rating because you walked halfway through. And, of course, that was MJF and Cole versus Ozzy Open, of course. You gave it a non-applicable because you can't really rate something officially if you... Didn't see from start to finish. Exactly. Well, I will let you know that Dave Meltzer gave it 2.75 stars. All right. All right. Next matchup on the card was Hook defending the FTW Championship against uh, the CM Punk killer himself, Jack Perry. Um, You said that match deserved a three stars. Uh, Dave Meltzer gave it 3.25. Okay. <laughs> Just, okay. Well, I mean, remembering it back, I mean, I guess that's fair. CM Punk, who, of course, uh, we're not supposed to talk about anymore, uh, former oh. former Reels World Heavyweight Champion AEW, defending his title against Samoa Joe uh, in the opening match of the main card. You gave it three and a half stars, and Dave Meltzer gave it three and a half stars. Ugh. Makes my skin crawl when I think the same way he does. Uh, the next match was uh, Takeshka and the Bullet Club Gold taking on Hangman Adam Page, uh, Kota Ibushi, and Kenny Omega. You gave it three and a half stars. He gave that match four and a half stars. Jesus Christ. That's it? Just Well, he's, he's being generous. Very. Because this kind of goes back to what we were talking about originally. But his... his Bias for certain people? Yes. Yes. Okay. Uh, next matchup on the card was the tag team match, the trilogy finally ending between Cash Wheeler, Dax Harwood, FTR versus the Young Bucks. You gave that match 4.25 stars. He gave it 4.75. Just under. So basically, with his logic, he gave that a 5. Yes. In, in interviews of most recent years, he has said that. Getting a 4.5 or a 5. 4.75. Is pretty much getting a 5-star match. Getting a 5. Which is why Kurt Angle's never had a 5-star match. And why people shouldn't get pissed off. Anyways, regardless. Uh, next matchup was the Stadium Stampede uh, between Kingston, Cassidy, the Best Friends, and Penta against the um, Bullet... Uh, I almost said Bullet Cup Glow again. Of course, uh, the, Black, yeah. Blackpool Comic Club. Too many clubs. Oh, man. I can't wait for this. Moxley, Hit me with this. Moxley, Claudio, Wheeler, Santana, and Ortiz. Hit me with you this gave, shit. You gave this match a two. Uh-huh. Do you want to just elaborate real quick why you gave this a two? Because it's the same... It's the same fucking garbage match bullshit you'll always see with these guys. Well, just okay. chaos, blood, barbed wire, all the weapons. You can't follow any of it. Well, will you be shocked to hear... That Dave Meltzer actually disagreed with you. No, he gave I wouldn't it, be. <laughs> he gave it four point five stars. Well, of course he did, because it worked for the crowd. So that means it must be good. <laughs> it was over. Uh, next matchup was the four-way women's title match between Carl Shida, Tony Storm, Soraya, and Doctor Britt Baker. You gave it two and a half stars. Uh, he gave it two point seven five. So I mean, you guys were close. Yeah. Alright, again, it makes my skin crawl knowing that I... Ugh. Uh, next matchup was Swerve and Christian versus Darby and Sting, of course, in the Coffin matchup. Uh, you gave this match 3.25 stars. Uh-huh. A solid rating. Uh, he gave it 4.25. Why? <laughs> I guess maybe he really likes what? seeing that Coffin get his ass kicked. I, I don't know. What, what? Takes him back to PWG of the... Invisible hand grenades and... Yeah. Don't forget that guy that pulled out a gun in Japan. Yeah. Well, I mean a gun. Yeah. No, it was a gun. Yes. What did he see in that that would have got it a 4.25? I don't know. Uh, next matchup on the card, Will Ospreay versus Chris Jericho. First time meeting. Probably last time meeting, let's be honest. Uh, you gave it three and a half stars. 
He gave it 4.75. Pardon? He gave 4.75. Okay. I'm assuming it's the Osprey effect. I mean... Yeah, but is that giving a rating just for someone for their name or for what actually was in the ring? Like, what the product they produced? Mm-hmm. I, don't, that I don't understand. I'm not that. Dave Meltzer. That doesn't make any sense to me, but okay. Uh, the acclaimed and badass Billy Gunn, as he was known for this matchup, taking on the House of Black for the trio's titles. You gave it a solid three. You were more generous than he was. He gave it a two and a half. Two and a half? That's surprising. I know. Uh, he would his normally his 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 your mo is usually to be lower than him. I know. Yeah, but also normally his like go to like starting block rating is a three for everything this company does. And of course, the main event MJF Adam Cole the best friends colliding in the main event. You gave it four point two five stars. Uh, close in rating to him, he gave it four point five. All right. All right. I'm actually shocked he didn't give a single five-star rating. Well, well he mean, gave several basic five-star ratings. I like, mean, there are some matches that I thought were better than others. Like, I personally thought MJF and Cole was better than Osprey and Jericho. Sure. And I also thought, to just kind of quickly looking at this list here and his rankings, like... Like, normally on every... Punk and Joe. I thought Punk and Joe was a much better match at the Stadium Stampede and the six-man tag. Well, yeah, sure, but like I don't know. I'm just I'm surprised. Normally, on every AEW pay per view, he at least there's like one match that he gives like five stars or like five and a quarter. There's none on this one. Just interesting. Well, it's going to be interesting to see what happens when it comes to the ratings for next week, as when we jump back on for this podcast. Of course, follows of course everything we do. Anchor.fm slash Wildwars Podcast, Facebook, uh, you know, Instagram, the whole nine yards. Uh, we're not sending off right now. We're just using that as a segue because. Payback was the following Saturday after that. And, of course, you're going to be giving your star rankings for that to compare to Dave Meltzer in a quick second. And, of course, we're going to be giving our quick review of that show and then compare it to All Out and then see which was the better show of the weekend, what was the match of the weekend, stuff we've done in the past. And it's a whole lot of fun, and I, quite frankly, love when we do it. So our first match on the card for the actual WWE Payback, which took place on Saturday, September the 2nd, in, from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, for the PB. PPG Paints Arena. What a fucking stupid name. <laughs> Is a PPG Paints Arena? Yeah, according to this, the attendance was 14,584 people. First matchup on the card was a steel cage matchup between Becky Lynch taking on Trish Stratus. This matchup went 20 minutes. Uh, we, we talked off here kind of in the sense that this match, rather this feud, had been kind of growing a little bit stale. One of the people in it even said that. Exactly. And, like, we just knew that the blow-off should have been SummerSlam. But we got it here at Payback. And you know what? They, they let, let's just call a spade a spade. They kicked the shit out of each other. If anybody hasn't seen it, Trish put up a photo of what she looked like after this was over. She was littered with bruises all over the place. Her face, her arms. Like... She took she took so she took more abuse than she probably had any right taking, or needed to, or needed to at this stage of her life and this this point in her career. But like, give her props. She's she's been consistently featured on television for since WrestleMania. Yeah, I'll say thank you, Trish, for that. Like, for someone who's not really who's not an active wrestler anymore, she's consistently traveling and featured on TV since WrestleMania. She put really pretty much everything she had into this feud with Becky. 
it went a little long. She even admitted it. It went long. It started to get stale. They had to get to the blow-off. And she produced one hell of a fucking payoff in this in this thing, in this cage match. Mm-hmm. I mean, we saw some really cool spots with her hanging upside down. The friggin', you know, bulldog off the top rope. The superplex off the, the top superplex of the cage. going through, yeah, over the top of the cage to the back into the ring. Of course, you know, having uh, Zoe Stark out there as well just to kind of, you know, tell that narrative or whatever and got man hit the manhandle slam off the top rope and you know what this was a great summer feud when it comes to like these two like i really have nothing bad to say about it no i don't i mean again a lot of the fact that it just went all along and of course becky wins with the manhandle slam off the top rope driving down to the ground one two three you know big victory for her she's able to finally get past trish stratus and hopefully be able to in her mind move on to Bigger and better things, or even championship contention, and of course Zoe Stark getting in the ring. Trish is all pissed off at her, and Trish winds up getting her uh, cyclone knee to the face. Well, because if I remember correctly, too, I think Zoe made like a, an error and like hit and like swung the cage door into her head, I think, or something like that. I don't remember exactly what happened, but like Zoe made an act, made like an accidental like error and like cost Trish the win in the end. Really, yeah. So of course. Trish got laid out after that because, you know, she was just... With the Z360. Being an absolute bitch to her, so... This, uh, if anything, this is the best way of how you use a, a veteran who's just coming in for, like, a few shots to help get younger people over. I mean, Becky... Becky's not, Becky's really, Becky's not really younger, but, like... But she's a top star that didn't need to go for the title right now, so give her something to do. Yeah, and if anything, she came out better out of this than she did before. She came out looking better than she did before. And Zoe gets a little bit of the rub it's, Yeah, as well. and that's what I was going to say. It's the best way to use a veteran is for like a couple shots to help get another talent going and start to get them over. Yeah, so uh, your rating? Four and a... Four and a half. Wow. Four and a half. This is better than it had any right to be. Fair enough. Uh, next matchup on the card, uh, before we get there, rather, John Cena shows up, the host of Payback, announced from, like, two days prior, or yeah, one day prior, he's, rather. He's happy to be here now for months. He's going to be here for the next two straight months, because Hollywood's on strike, and he has nothing to do. Well, you know what? At <laughs> least he has something to fall back on. Yeah, fair. something. So, John Cena was here. Got also, me. real quickly, real quickly, just real quick. Do you know that India, that India show? That he actually plugged on live television? Yes. It's not televised. Oh. It's just a live event. Oh. So I don't know why they even talked about it on TV. So, but moving on. What's well, a big deal? Sure, whatever. I just don't know why they took time plugging it on TV. We can't see it. But oh. what, anyway, whatever. I digress. John Cena comes out. He is very happy to be there. Blah, 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 blah. The Miz gets in his face. John Cena inserts himself. He's going to be the special guest referee for our next matchup uh, between LA Knight taking on The Miz. Of course, this was a battle of. Just two douchebags that are really good on the mic. And one happens to be a babyface and over for it. Uh, this well, the promo was leading to this were fantastic. And like I said, it went 15-45 with ultimately L.A. Knight getting the victory over The Miz. Uh, John Cena him having a little bit of tension at the uh, you know entranceway afterwards. But, but then, of course, ultimately getting, raising his hand. He ended victory. up getting the seal of approval and a rub from John Cena. Yeah, your thoughts. Pretty much standard affair. The right guy won. They're riding this LA Night wave of popularity now after kind of stalling on that for the last few months. Yeah, not really much more you can say about that. I mean, I was looking forward to seeing him work with The Miz. The Miz is very underrated. I hated him when he first started. I couldn't stand The Miz, but like years and being more seasoned now, Miz is one of the best hands they have. 
Agreed. Um, Under, it, underrated for sure. Horribly underrated. I thought it was great. Miz knows how to get some. Miz knows how to work with somebody and how to work with their strengths and get them over. That's exactly what he did here, and the right guy won. Your rating then? Uh, three and a half. Three and a half. Okay. Next matchup on the card, it was for the United States Championship. It was Rey Mysterio taking on the former champion Austin Theory. This match went nine minutes and forty-five seconds. I'll be honest, I don't remember much that happened in this match. They. It, I mean, again, it only went nine minutes. No, it has happy, nothing to do with that. Great I'm matches to be shorter. I'm happy that they didn't just slap the belt back on Austin Theory for no reason. Like, they put it on Ray, and now they're sticking with that decision, and they're rolling with it. Well, they're going with the story of Santos, yes. Right. They, I remember most of it. I remember the good majority of pretty much all of it. Like, they worked hard. Like, they didn't treat this like it was just a SmackDown match, mm-hmm. which is honestly when they, when they announced it is what I thought it was just going to be. No, they worked like a pay-per-view quality level match. Like, they worked hard. This match, like I said with the cage, this was a lot better than it had any right to be. I mean, it was a great match. Like, I, like, I'm thinking back on it now. I'm like, yeah, they had some good spots, and Theory busted his ass for this match. But, like, at the end of the day... It is didn't it- seem like Ray was phoning it in, and it didn't seem like Austin Theory was phoning it in either. They were trying. And you know what? I'm saying that, like, I don't remember much about it, because it's, like, one of those things where, like... A match like this, even if Ray was putting him more of his all into it, and same with Theory, like, you know, busting his ass for the legend of Ray Mysterio, you just had L.A. Knight come out there, who's super-duper over, and, you know, you're invested with the John Cena story. Yeah, and before that, you had just had a badass cage. Yeah. So, like, eventually, as at least in my you're opinion, gonna get a lull. we're going we're gonna to get a lull, and we're going to start decreasing as the show goes on. Sure. But that's just my own personal opinion. What did you give this match? I mean, it was fine. It was de- a decent little match. I'd say a solid three. Solid three. All right. Write it down. Uh, next matchup on the card was the City Street, Steel City Street Fight for the Undisputed WWE Tag Team Championships. You didn't even you didn't even know this was a street fight before it even started. Nope. Sure did. <laughs> I guess you missed SmackDown. Or actually, I think it was on Raw that week that I they made it a street fight. I must fight. have just missed it on Raw because... Yeah. It is what it is. Uh, Judgment Day, Finn Balor, Damian Priest taking on Kevin Owens, Sami Zayn. Uh, this match went 20 minutes and 45 seconds. They beat the fucking tar out of each other. So, Kevin getting the hard way in this match. They're wearing the jerseys. Dropping the gloves on Mysterio at the entrance. It was kind of funny. So, hold on. We're, like, we're skipping over this way too quickly. So, yeah, there was blood. Kevin, I don't even know how it happened or where it happened. Oh, it came out like, of nowhere. He, he got, like, thrown over a barricade and then just came up and he's covered in blood. Like, I guess that might have been his tribute to Terry Funk, because there was a one point in a match where he ripped off his, Kev- his Kevin Owens shirt, and there was a Terry Funk one on he was wearing. Yes. Um, the thing you're talking about is when him and Sammy got thrown over a barricade in the crowd, and they came up and they were wearing the Pittsburgh Penguins jerseys. Yes. With the gloves and the hockey sticks. And yeah, Dominic tried to interfere in the aisleway, and they both threw the gloves off and started beating the shit out of him hockey fight style. That was great. See, if you compare this to, like, Stadium Stampede that just happened the week prior... This was a much better fight. This is how you do, like, a street fight. <coughs> this is how you do, like, a street fight with multiple people and do it right, where it's not ridiculous, ridiculously hard to follow. Right. There's not a lot of way over... the Like, it's over the top for the sake of it being a street fight, but it's not so over the top that it's just ridiculous. With, like, broken glass and, like, barbed wire and all that shit. 
this didn't need that. Like, they had hardware. They had garbage cans, the kendo sticks, the, the standard of hockey sticks. They had the standard affair. Kevin Owens did a, a channel his inner Jeff Hardy and did the swanton off the, the, the what, what do you call it, the the balcony in the crowd off the, the rail down like a la Jeff Hardy at the Royal Rumble years ago and the tables dropped the swanton and Dominic through a table. His poor tailbone. Oh, yeah, he slammed ass first into the ground. There's no way to protect yourself doing that. Yeah, Rhea Ripley, of course, getting involved in that, as we said, Mysterio as well, so... It was pretty much four on... Actually, J.D. McDonough got involved, too. And five on two. It was pretty much five on two, so they didn't have... Like, Judgment Day ultimately ended up getting a surprise win, which I did not expect. Yeah, that deflated the crowd, but in the sense that, like, almost like, what? But it's at the same time, it's like, it's a good thing that sometimes you give people something they don't expect, because, like, I think everybody went into this thinking that they were just going to beat the Judgment Day. They were just going to move on like nothing happened. Right. Well, that's what's been happening on Raw for like the last several months. Oh, the judgment didn't and, Finn, and Finn's needed a goddamn win. Yeah, horribly. He needed one horribly. But they pretty much made it five on two, so like they didn't look weak losing. And it still put the judgment day over for the fact that like they're still viewed as a, a dangerous faction now. Now they have like how many belts do they have? Like four? Well, they got the tag titles, the money in the bank. The women's title and the, the NXT, NXT North American title, like uh, they're they're dripping in gold and silver. Um, yes. So like it keeps putting them over strong, and also Kevin and Sammy don't look weak because they had to fight five people against the two of them. So like this was this was awesome. This is how you do a street fight right. Yeah, unlike the Terry Funk tribute match that we saw. Yes, that too. That just. That offends me on a personal level. Yeah, that too. If we do match worst match of the year, that might just lose yeah. on principle. <laughs> yeah. after, even after all the crap we've seen in AEW yeah. and other places. Uh, your star rating? Uh, four and three quarters. Ooh, Jesus. It was entertaining. It was great, great spots. An unexpected ending. I could take it seriously. Like, nothing in it was overly ridiculous. It sucked me out of it. It was great. Well, the next matchup on the card was a Women's World Championship matchup between Rhea Ripley defending her title against Raquel Rodriguez. Uh, this matchup was very highly anticipated for a lot of us fans because, um, you know, two big strong girls here going at it. And, of course, the story with them two from NXT and them coming up. And, of course, just, you know, Styles makes fights. And I figured this one was going to be one of those good ones as well. This went 17 minutes and 20 seconds. Eh, it feels like it was, like, shorter. A little bit, yeah. But, like, I didn't think it went that long. But, I mean, I guess that's a good thing. If something doesn't feel as long as it did. And, of course, it had one of the same thing as the Theory and Rey Mysterio thing, where it's like you just came off of a couple huge big things, and, of course, them just coming off this big street fight, and now there's going to be a little bit of a lull between these two. I think this match could have probably had a little bit maybe shorter time, even if it did feel a little bit shorter for me. Uh, Rhea ultimately does get the victory here over Raquel, uh, getting the one, two, three. The only thing I didn't like, and I said this to you watching it, they had the big explosion kablamo with the, the pyro and stuff like that after the tag match and showing them all dripped in gold and, you know, everything like that. And it's a great, like, money shot of the Judgment Day. And it's like, all right, Rhea, go out there. You might still lose. <laughs> go, go, yeah, go defend your belt. Go, <laughs> you've already, go defend. Like, that would have been a great, like, last shot of the Judgment Day for the rest of the night. And it's like... Oh, we probably should have just put that match there. But I get why, because they didn't want to have that match of the street fight, rather, to then go into the world championship matchup later on in the main event. So I get why, but I feel like that kind of hurt the 
thing a little bit for me. But anyways, your thoughts. When I first, when we were first watching this, I remember saying that it felt like their chemistry was a little clunky. Mm. Like it seemed like some of the timing could have been a little more crisp or like a lot, a couple of the, the spots were a little, I don't want to say sloppy, but like, what am I looking for here? What's the word I'm looking for? Not sloppy, but like, not as, not as crisp as they could have been. But then when I thought about it more, I was like, these are two, like, big, strong, like, bull-type women. It didn't need to be look perfect. It didn't need to look precise. It didn't need to look crisp. Like, it's it's pretty much the old adage of two bulls in a china shop. You slam them together, and you just see what you, you see what happens. Right. So, like, when you look at it from that perspective, it worked. Like, it works. Didn't need to look perfect. Didn't need to look pretty. They... I mean, they they both fucking bump their asses off for each other, especially being like as big as they are. That's impressive. I would probably give this uh, three point seven five. Okay, uh, three point seven five. It goes into the book there. Going into our main event matchup: Seth freaking Rollins defending the world's heavyweight championship title against Shinsuke Nakamura. You would have told me three months ago Nakamura was going to be main eventing a pay per view. I would have laughed at face. Yeah. Even though I'm happy, because I love Nakamura. He's been booked as a mid-carder for like the past three years. Well, that, and he's just, you know, he was recently doing the thing with uh, Tommaso Ciampa and uh, Bronson Reed and stuff like that. So, I mean... You had that really cool anime intro before he came out to the ring. Yeah, that was pretty sweet. Uh, of course, Nakamura and Rollins, like, these two are just... They're, they're consummate professionals and, like the top tier of their craft when it comes to being a wrestler, wrestler. So I was very much looking forward to this match. This went 26 minutes and five seconds. It's went almost 30 minutes? Yep. Wow. But ultimately it was Seth Rollins uh, was able to evade the Kinshasa for a second time and uh, was able to hit the stomp. One, two, three. Got the fuck out of there. Uh, it was getting a little nitty gritty near the end of that, but... Well, they went... I mean, they went into this with, like, a really... Like... A lot of times when you go on to, like, main event matches, they have to come up with, like, a somewhat convoluted, like, story and, like, build to get into this. Right. This one, they went into something, went in with, with just something so simple. Like, it was just like, all right, I got a shot. I know your back's hurt. I'm going to exploit that. And then you build with these videos of Nakamura training and, like, the... The fight gyms. And speaking the, like, how, Japanese. Yeah, not English. Speaking fluent Japanese. Like, how dangerous he is with grappling and, like, how he's going to exploit that back injury that Seth has and he's going to he's gonna destroy it and take yep. his title. That's some of the best use of Nakamura that they've done in the last few years. Um, I don't know, like, some people might say that this may have been a time to actually have Nakamura be a world champion because if it wasn't going to happen now, like, is it ever going to happen? Right. I don't know. Are like, they, it's, they, it's, could, they could revisit this, though. Oh, actually, I was going to say, we didn't see this because it happened off the air. Seth was leaving the ring. I saw this the next day in the morning. Seth was actually leaving the ring to go to the back. Nakamura jumped him again. Yeah. So this isn't over. Well, I mean, good. So. Yeah, so, like, this isn't over. They will get another match out of this. But, like, I don't know. Is it time to actually pull the trigger on Nakamura and make him a world champion? Because... This version of him right now is probably the best that they've used him in years, so, like, should they capitalize on it or shouldn't they? I, I really don't know. I think that 
Only time will tell when it comes to that. I think that Nakamura is a viable threat and a good player. I just don't know if he's the right guy now to take the title from Rollins. I mean, Rollins could always just win it back and just, yeah. you know, just hot, you know, do a one-two like with that. But I think now that you, you've set the precedent with your Gunther, now that you set the precedent with Roman of like these big championship reigns with like multiple, multiple title defenses and stuff like that, that are, you know, kind of leading the way to now how things are going to be booked in the future. It's not like the 2000s where it's like, oh, well, Triple H is a fucking five-time world champion, and, it, and, much, and it's been three months. It was, hot potato, <laughs> it, was, it was hot potato with the championship. Exactly. So I feel like that's going to be the thing moving forward. I mean, probably. So because of that, I don't think Nakamura is going to be champion anytime soon. I mean, that's fair. That. I mean, as far as the match goes, like, it was, they took their time. It was more like a methodical, like, deliberate pace. Like, they... They let it build. It didn't go 100 miles an hour right out of the gate. Like, they worked that story of Nakamura working on the back through the whole point of the match. Yep. They didn't just abandon that halfway through. I know that the, you were making comments that there are some points where it's like he should have been selling the back more if that was like... Oh, the, that yeah, that was a criticism. If that was like the, if that was the main crux of, like, the story of this match was that your back is fucked and I'm going to try to destroy it. There were times where he was moving around with that bad back way a little too easy or just selling afterwards and the fact of like he's not even really holding it he's just kind of doing his own thing it's like yeah and i mean in the end seth eh. seth kind of won at a desperation with like a stomp out of nowhere like it wasn't it wasn't a big lead up to it so it, that works great thing about his finish yeah he can hit it out of anywhere at any time so like that worked but like nakamura was that big of a threat that he, rollins pretty much won by the skin of his teeth you could say mm-hmm. um your stars I will give this a. I'll give it a fuck. I'll give it a four. Solid four. Solid four. All right. So again, for those keeping track as well, uh, Trish and Becky four and a half. Knight and Miz three and a half. Ray and Theory three. Uh, Judgment Day against Owens and Zayn four point seven five. Rhea versus Raquel three point seven five, and Rollins versus Nakamura. So there were six matches on the show. This was a pay- six. This was a a pay- It was. It was a. It was a short show. Short show, but a lot of things got more time than they usually do. While the other show that we're about to talk about had 13. Wow. But let, I'll say this real quick, at least about Payback. This was a show that was ended up being way better than it had any right to be. Agreed, because there was no buzz about this. No. this Literally, people were pr- pretty much just like giving up on this as like a full Oh, we show. forgot something. Cody and Grayson did some stuff. Oh, there. the Grayson Waller effect, where yeah. Cody pulled his backstage political power to get Jey Uso a job on Raw. Yeah, that's it. All right, moving on. Yeah. <laughs> All right, that's so that, for that okay, yeah, so like it it was way better than it had any right to be. Like it was a sleeper show that nobody really had any buzz or would give any, like were ready for it all, and it was great. It was a great show. Well, that was our opinions of WWE Payback. Of course, in a week or two's time, we're gonna see what Dave Meltzer has to say when it comes to his rankings of Payback. I'm sure they will be less than kind in some instances, uh, but of course. After this quick commercial break, we're going to be on the other side and give you Jordan and mine's opinion of WWE All Out from Chicago. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we are back. We are now ready to talk about WWE. Sorry, excuse me. We were just on payback. AEW All Out. I probably just got shit talked by so many people online. Like, how <laughs> dare you compare AEW WWE? No good haze. Um, 
This, of course, t- took place from Chicago, Illinois, September 3rd, the next day, from the United Center. The attendance was 9,500 people. Ugh. <laughs> that is not good. <laughs> well, I mean, it's what happens when you book a dynamite, a rampage, a collision. And a pay-per-view. And a pay-per-view. Seven days after your last one. All within the same fucking Two week city. Two-week period. All in the same city. And when a city that you've run four or five times earlier this year. Yeah, you they effectively killed the town. Yeah. So And now the punk is gone, they won't be going back there for a while. I mean, who knows what's gonna happen? And of course, uh you were saying off the air before we kind of, you know, just pulling back the curtain a little bit, you did not watch anything of the uh pre show. I did not see the pre show. Alright, well Hangman Adam Page won a over the budget charity battle royal. Match went thirteen minutes fifteen seconds. Uh, Carl Sheeta, Willow Nightingale, Scott Blue defeated Athena, Mercedes Martinez, and Diamante. Six woman tag, won eight minutes and 30 seconds. And of course, the acclaimed and Billy Gunn with their brand new six man tag titles. Yes. Scissors on the back. Marketing. Uh, defeated Team TNA for the AEW World Trios Championship that went six minutes. All right. That's did pretty you, much it. Did you see those matches? I did. What did you think of those matches? Moving on to the main card. <laughs> not we're talking about. No, it's not. Yeah. Uh, moving on to the main card right now. Uh, the opening matchup on the main card was for the Ring of Honor World's Tag Team titles. Uh, it was the team of Better Than You, Baby, Adam Cole, and the World Heavyweight Champion of AEW, MJF, taking on the Dark Order, uh, Alex Reynolds and John Silver with Evil Uno at ringside. This match went 14 minutes and 5 seconds. Crowd was hot because they're loving MJF and Cole right now. Uh, of course, they were doing their famous, you know, moves of you know the kangaroo kick, the double clothesline to ultimately get the victory. Uh, fine matchup. What were your thoughts? I mean, fine match. Yeah, it was a fine match. But like, is it not odd and like strange that we go from these two main eventing the biggest show that this company has ever done, and like a semi-serious angle of like. Who's going to turn on who? To opening like, the match against to Dark the, Order? To being the first match against the fucking Dark Order? You love Dark Order, admit it. But, like, why? Like, of all the teams, why the Dark Order? Because they won the Battle Royal. But there were so many other better teams that could have been put in this position. But. This was pretty much, literally what this just was. This was just a match to feed the win column for both those guys. Yes. This is all it was. It was an enhancement match. It was an enhancement match to help build the team more. And, of course, to tell the story, MJF with his sore neck, doing the thing, getting carried out, coming back. And with the the confrontation he had with Joe at the at, at the very end of this, too. Yes, of course. The uh, the same things that they pulled in the past with each other. So, uh, of course, with Adam Cole, sorry, excuse me, MJF, when he was just a uh, little pup, working backstage at uh, an NXT show one time, working as security, and... Samoa Joe push him, yeah. you know, you know, showing his character and stuff like that, and MJF didn't like that, and you can see it on camera. Yeah. And then uh, MJF has now done it a couple times to people now on camera, backstage, as he's been world champion. So uh, Joe just did the same thing again to him, just kind of like, hey, hey, kid, and he, I don't give a shit what title you hold, you'll still always be that security guard to me. And he fucking lost it after that. Yeah, he chased him out <laughs> of the ringside, almost, you know, got his ass kicked for it. Right after, yeah, right after he had this match with him, but he was selling a neck injury. Clearly, we're more excited about this because of the potential well, of Samoa I mean, Joe versus MJF. Sure, I mean, they pretty the much... The promos are going to be out. The promos are going to be fantastic. I mean, they pretty much spelled it out that this is going to be his next opponent. 
If, yeah. they, if it's not, then I don't know what the point of any of this was. Mm-hmm. Um, well, yeah. Like, Roddy's gonna come out with a neck brace. You like this is what you. Sh- <laughs> <laughs> this, is what, this is what you get. Look but, what it did to me. <laughs> like yeah, I mean, there's not really. I don't really know what else you could say about this match. It was pretty standard, basic stuff. All right. It yeah. was. It was pretty much just to pad the team to give them a win. And your rating. Three. Okay. Next matchup on the card was Samoa Joe, as we previously mentioned, defending the Ring of Honor World Television title. Two Ring of Honor titles being defended back-to-back on an AEW pay-per-view. Uh-huh. Woot. Uh, against Shane Taylor. I'm sure there's a reason for it. I don't watch Ring of Honor. I don't either. Went six minutes and 25 seconds. It was two big dudes just bruising it up and beating the shit out of each other. And did, did Joe anyone, ultimately got the submission. Did anyone really care about this? I mean, I was excited to see Shane Taylor. I mean, I'm a fan of his, too. I, I like him, but, like, I don't think the crowd really cared about this not, a whole lot. Not two iotas. <laughs> no. So. They were pre- they were cold for pretty much most of this. I mean, again, it's two big bulls in a china shop like we were talking about with the payback review. So that was entertaining to see. It's interesting when to, see, to see Joe face somebody that's his same size or actually sometimes almost bigger than him. My wife came in during this matchup. I just want to point this out right she now. She did? Shane uh, Taylor was hitting punches, like the, the the Joe style jabs on him. Yeah. And she's like, are they supposed to look that bad? <laughs> and isn't he a boxer? Did he have a boxing background? I have no idea. Like, the jabs, it was fine. It was just like the, the You can obvious... see him slapping his shoulder. Yeah, and then when Joe like does the same thing, it's like, look, this is, this is how you do it. Yeah, there was no no shoulder slapping. Like, oh, well. he telegraphed those jabs, like, hella bad. Oh, well, regardless, your uh, rating? Two? Two and a quarter? Two and a quarter. Wasn't anything special? Okay. Next matchup of the card was for the AEW TNT title, Luchasaurus, not Christian Cage, uh, defending his title against Darby Allen, who Nick Wayne was with at ringside, not Sting, because... Uh, Weird, where was Sting? Like, I don't know where he was. Sting, Sting's done after that coffin match. He, he <laughs> He's he, going home? He needed to put some Icy Hot on that shit. He's gone home, home yeah. He's gone home. God yeah. damn, Darby Allen took a beating. Yeah, they, they like did... a fucking vicious beating. They did they, what they could to make Luchasaurus... Uh, Look like a monster? Yeah. A dangerous monster? Yeah, Darby Allen took a nasty beating in this. Like, he was throwing him around like a rag doll. He got juice at one point. They, had, they did that nasty spot where he put the steps on his back and like went up and stood on the steps where they were on Darby Allen's spine. I don't think I've ever seen anybody do that before. I mean, it's effective. It is. But like, and it was cool. It's unique. I've never seen it. I've never seen a heel do that to somebody before. The week prior was MJF getting suplexed on the steps like that. Yeah. Yeah, they put they put Luchasaurus over like a million dollars in this. And if there was going to be a guy to do that for him, Darby's the they dude. could sell for him. Darby was the, the guy to do that. Absolutely. Uh, and of course, this will lead then into the future then with Luchasaurus still being champion, but Christian pretending he's the champion. Pretending he's the champion. I mean, and again, this was exactly what it should have been, and it was fine for it, and... I really have nothing else. Left. I mean, they had a couple cool. They had a couple like really good like hope spots where you actually made a thought like Darby Allen was gonna pull it out. Well, he's won this title so many times, right? So yeah, and like they're like he hit that uh, that code red off the top rope. I actually thought he was gonna get the win there for a second. Hmm. So like good hope spots. Darby Allen sold his ass off. Like if there's a guy that you need to get a monster heel over with, Darby Allen's your guy. Yeah, uh, your rating. Uh. Three and a half. Three and a half. 
Next matchup on the card was uh, two big bruisers once again going at each other uh, between Miro and Powerhouse Hobbs. Went 15 minutes and 40 seconds. I think it should have only went six. Yeah, this went way too long. Way too fucking way. long. This should have went the this should have went the length that the Joe and Shane Taylor match went. Absolutely. Just two big dudes running into each other, hitting as many high bumps, clotheslines, kicks, whatever as they can on because, each other. Yeah, because when and you're then this, a couple big slams and then get the fuck out of there. Because when you're this big, logically anything you do should have more impact than somebody smaller than you. I also don't like the fact that Miro beat him by submission. I know that's his finish is the, the Campbell Clutch. No, yeah. But, like, if you're going to do return business, which it looks like they're going to based on the post-match, because every fucking post-match has a, has, has a beatdown beat <laughs> or some shit like this, I mean, Miro probably should have just got the pin after, like, a big, like, out of a nowhere kick. or kick, something. Or, like, a big slam or, like, one, two, three, and, yeah, like, like Hobbs gets out right at the three or something like that, you know? Yeah, like, there's not really Where it's any... just like, oh, fuck, you got me, that was close, but shake the hand, okay, and then you can deck him afterwards. Yeah, like, there's not really many definitive places you can go <laughs> when you've made the heel tap out. Yeah. Like, what do you do after that? See, it's just little things like that for me. I, I no, I agree. Like, it went way too long. Miro should have won. But he won the right wrong, guy won, yeah. He won the wrong way. But and, yeah, and it was too long. And it was yeah, it was way too long. And post match, the so powerhouse Hobbs gets started beating him down post match, and frankly, something <laughs> something that happened. That oh a lot yes, of people, Lana. Something that happened that probably a lot of people were like, "Why did it take this long to happen?" Well, you see, the money that he's now not spending for CM Punk, he can now, now spend on goes Lana. To Lana. <laughs> now he can afford. Now he can afford Lana. Like, Mir- the- Miro's is like, I want my hot wife to come in, but she wants four point five million dollars. <laughs> <laughs> and Tony's like, Oh fuck, I really want to do this for you, man. But you know, like, CM Punk's here, and that's exactly they, how much she wants. They lost a main event Hall of Fame level star, and they gained Lana. Fuck you. This is, I'm so excited to see how this turns out. But, like, how bad does it kind of make him look that his wife had to come and save him from getting beat up? Yeah. From Powerhouse Hub. What was great was he saw her come into the ring, continued to kick the shit out of him, and be like, look, she's going to hit me with something, but I don't care. I don't care. I'm going to get my pound of flesh before she gets here. Exactly. And then, of course, Miro afterwards kind of looked at him and be like, why are you here? Yeah. I, I denounced you. I denounced God. I denounced everything. In this storyline that makes sense from 300. Very confusing. Very. <laughs> I don't know. We'll see where it goes on Collision, I guess, with these two. So, I mean, I'm excited to see where this finally goes. I'm just happy that Tony Khan could afford her finally. So Yeah. Uh, you're rating on the match. Uh, two and three quarters. Wonderful. Moving on, <laughs> it was the AEW TBS Championship. Chris Atlander defending her title against Ruby Soho. Soho just is never... Gonna, gonna win, win a belt. Gonna win. Gonna <laughs> win this belt. She's never gonna. She's never or gonna win belt. a belt. Uh, just yeah. Statlander won. It was what it was. Yeah, they worked. They they worked hard. They worked hard. Yeah, I'm not denying that. It was still a fine matchup between the two of them. I just like, don't really think the like the crowd really wasn't that into it. Like they they did their best. There was a couple points where I thought that maybe. Ruby Soho would have gotten a surprise win, but, like, Tony Storm, in the end, was hiding under the ring. Like, Soraya passed the... Oh, oh, yeah, well, I said, uh... We'll edit this out. I said, uh, two and three quarters. Just start over again. 
I'm not starting over. This is all staying live. Oh. I he, didn't qu- write, I, he didn't write down my star rating for the last match, so he had to ask me again. Whatever, man. All right, so Chris Statlander, Ruby Soho. Yeah, like, it was what it was. It was simple. It was basic stuff. The Tony Storm, in the end, ended up costing her, her teammate the win, but she took the spray paint away from her. And then cackled like a witch. And she's like, ha ha, ha ha. The yeah. outcast is really not together still. And Soraya and her were like, really looking at her know. like, she nuts? Like, what's she doing? And it's like, why is this even happening after what happened at All In? Like, this faction should have imploded already. No idea. But yeah, Statlander won. Basic business. All I'd right. probably give it a, a solid three. Generous than I was. Uh, next matchup in the card was a no disqualification strap match between CM. Sorry. Between Brian Danielson... <laughs> That's what it was supposed to be. Between Danielson making his uh, triumphant what-the-fuck-your-back return, uh, taking on Ricky Stark. Of course, this uh, led from Collision when Stark was like, oh, well, I'm going to have this strap match with you at the pay-per-view, and it says the dragon on there. You're like, but I'm not the only dragon. Here's the American, American dragon. American dragon. And then, you know, audibly, Ricky Stark's like, ah, oh, shit. <laughs> he knew. He's like, oh, I'm in for a world of hurt. And uh, that's exactly what this was. These two beat the tar out of each other with that yeah, strap. Yeah. And, like, hanging each other with it and utilizing it to the best of their abilities. This match with Daniel tw- Danielson got bloody off the post, right? Was it the post? The post, I believe. That yeah. post that post was dangerous to people all night. Well, it's a, it's a not a round post. It's, it's the a, squared post. And it's pointing with the face pointing out. Which, so. you know what? Props to the commentary team for actually pointing that out. You know, like, that squared post is dangerous to your fucking skull. Yeah. This match went 22 minutes and 40 seconds. Um, it was a fight. Like, you want to yeah. talk about with Trish and Becky believing that was, like, a fight and, you know, the street fight between this. Like, I feel like this weekend, the matches that needed to when it came to this no-holds-barred or, like, these kind of things, like, they upped their A-game this weekend when it came to that, so... Yeah, because this was no disqualification, too, I think. It's a strap match, but yes. Well, they don't normally work that a lot when they do strap matches. They just use the strap. Yes. But no, Danielson kicked the shit out of him. I mean, yeah, they both kicked the shit out of each other. Like, Ricky was covered with welts from that strap. Mm-hmm. Danielson was a bloody mess. Did the right guy win? Because uh, that's what I was kind of thinking afterwards. Great match, but I'm like, did the right guy win? With the scenario, the way this was set up, I don't think you could have really done anything else but what they did. <laughs> had Steamboat not been involved? Had Steamboat not been involved, and had Danielson been actually back consistently on TV for the last several weeks, hmm. maybe I would say it should have went the other way. But the fact that he just came back, and that it had a legend involved, yeah, I don't think, really think they could have done anything with what they did. Right. So, no. I, I think the right guy won for the scenario that they set themselves up with. All right, fair enough. What's your stars? Uh, I probably would give this a four. I'd give it a four. Solid four. Okay, next matchup in the card was a match I didn't even know was supposed to be on the show. It was a uh, tag matchup between the Blackpool Combat Clubs, Claudio Castagnoli and Wheeler Yuta, taking on Eddie Kingston and Katsuyori Shibata. This yeah. match went 15 minutes and 55 seconds. I also think this one went too long. It was a... F- I like everybody involved, Miles Wheeler. <laughs> and you know what? I don't even hate Wheeler. It's just like... He's bland. He's just... 
bland. And I get the role. He's just like the little chihuahua standing next to the Rottweilers going, yeah, we're fucking tough. You know what I mean? Yeah, he's the guy that get, he's the guy to get beat up. Yeah, that's fine. He's the, he's the young boy of the group, and I understand what his role is. But um, ultimately, it was the combat club getting the victory over Kingston and Shibata. Right. Flat fucking finish, too. Flat as hell, but the right guys won, I will say. so. Yeah, flat fucking finish. It was just one uppercut, put Eddie Kingston down, which made him look like an idiot. I mean, it also puts over the hell of the, the European uppercut. See, I would agree with you had he been winning with that all, all, like, all the time. So what if he starts doing it now? Then that's what they should do. But I know they won't. Like now would be a, now a yes would be the perfect time to actually start putting that over as a finish. But I know they won't. So like, it just makes Eddie Kingston look weak to me. Okay, your uh, ratings. Nothing really to add to it except for that. So three, uh, maybe I was I'm bordering between two and three quarters and three. I'll oh. say two and three quarters. All right, there you go. Uh, next matchup on the card was the long-awaited singles matchup between Konosuke Takeshka taking on Kenny Omega. This match went 30 minutes and 30 seconds. That's exactly how long I thought it would be. Well, not exactly, but I thought I thought this was going to be long, jam-packed with stuff. And you know what? Kudos to them. Good story. Yeah, it told a great story. Yeah, and it's I, you know what? I can't fault a lot of people who are like, oh, Kenny Omega, same match, blah, blah, blah. When I said I said this to you today, though, like because we didn't watch this together, so we yeah. it separately. I said this to you today. Like you. <laughs> Say what you want about Kenny Omega if he does have the same match over and over and over again. When he has to put somebody over, he will. Like he's they said during they said after he, he I mean he lost this match to catch the one. This they said that this was like his sixth straight singles loss. I genuinely thought. At one point, when they were standing in the corner, that uh, he was gonna hit the one wing angel. Takesha, Takesha, no, Takesha was gonna beat him with a one wing angel, and then just win. And it's like I hit your move, I took your throne from Talos, and I beat you with your thing. And they'd be like, "Oh fuck," you know what I mean? No, I mean, yeah, that would have been cool. They didn't do that. He won with something a lot simpler. I mean. If anything, it's like he won with, like, he kept hitting the, the baby face with everything he had, and then eventually he just couldn't take anymore. He hit him with the knee, with the knee pad down, and that was it. He put him down. But did you notice, too, when he got the three count, Kenny tried to get the shoulder up after the three count? Yes. Like, he still had something else, well, something left in him? Yes. So it's like he still kind of looked a little bit strong? Like, so, like, that was good. But yeah, Kenny put him over. I mean, sure, you could say, like, he's one, he's one of his friends. But, like, he didn't need to. He could have easily won this match and just moved on to something else. But, like, clearly, you would think after this, they're going to do something else with this now. Yeah, I was going to say, this is definitely not the end of the feud. And, I mean, it may, it may not make a lot of sense that, like, Don Callis was, again, heavily involved interfering throughout this match. Because <coughs> like, you would think Kenny would be ready for it now. And maybe have somebody out there to neutralize him or, like, neutralize Don himself. Right. But, like... But that could be the future. Yeah, that could be the... I mean, if anything, it should be the future now. Because mm. it's happened to him twice now in two high-profile matches. Actually, mm. three times if you count all in with that six-man tag. But, yeah, honestly, with the heel run that he's been on, how they kind of dropped the ball with Takeshita a little bit, I think he they made the right call with this. Rating? Uh, I'd probably go with a... I'll go with a solid four. Okay. 
Next matchup of the card was a eight-man tag team matchup between uh, the FTRs and the Young Bucks taking on the Bull Club Gold. Yes. This match was... What you would expect. Well, I mean, of course, it was partners dissension between FTR, the Young Bucks, the whole match. Not, not really. And well, I mean, t- well, for somewhat, yes. For something, hold on. And then till they started, like, switching up each other and they're, like, winding up, like, doing each other's finishes with opposite partners. Yeah, I mean, because in the end, it basically got to the point where it's like, okay, fuck, we have to work together. Yeah. Like, or else was, we're going to lose. Or else we're going to lose. There was a last-ditch effort where it's like, okay, we got to get our shit together and start working together. Yes. Ultimately, it did not work, though, because Bull Club Gold got the victory with the uh, guns getting the pins on the FTR. I think the wrong the wrong part of the team got the win. Yeah, like I if you If you were going to go now for a third match with Jay and Juice against FTR for the titles, one of them should have got the win. I mean, ultimately, the guns got the win because of something that Jay White did. Like, he hit the Blade Runner on Cash? Yeah. Yes. He hit the Blade Runner on Cash, and one of them got the fall. But, like, I don't really think that the gun should have got the pinfall. I mean, but this is... A lot of this is pretty much what you would expect. A typical Young Buck multi-man match. I mean, look who the referee was. I should have told you from the get-go. Um... Yeah, I mean, they told an interesting story with, like, how the FTR and the Bucks still don't really trust each other. They still don't like each other. They would, For the most part, they wouldn't tag each other in. They would only tag their actual partners in. Yeah. The, I, the Bullet Club Bullet Club Gold worked like a well-oiled machine, so they had that nice contrast. I'm really excited to see in the future what's going to happen with Jay and Juice taking on, hopefully, FTR for the titles again and kind of telling that third match of their trilogy, but... With the Bucks being so heavily involved still within this, this might lead to a three-team type of scenario. I mean, it might. Maybe a ladder match? Yay. (laughs) Fucking great. I mean, don't get me wrong. Meltzer, I'm sure, just shit his pants of excitement when it came to that, but, like, yeah, that just... I mean, you have to think. That would have a ladder match written all over it. Oh, 100%. And they right. would make it work to the best of their abilities. They so. would. And if anything, that might be a way for, like, Jay and Juice to win those titles and not have FTR look bad. That's true. The two of them neutralize each other and Bullet Club get some gold. Yeah. Besides their name. Right. Your rating. Three and a half? Three and a half. Last matchup of the card was for the International Championship. Not the All-Atlantic. Because we don't talk about that name anymore. No. Uh, between Orange Cassidy, a.k.a. the man being held up by string. <laughs> He's a marionette puppet at this point. Taking on John Moxley, a.k.a. I watch Terry Funk matches and think he's him. <laughs> Pretty uh, much. This matchup, uh, I just need to fucking close the thing here, went 19 minutes and 50 seconds. And my God, we had a main event match with Moxley, he didn't bleed. Well, no, he made the other guy bleed profusely. Yeah, but like he didn't bleed. And you know what? I couldn't believe it. It was a good match, honestly. Like, I can't say really anything wrong with this match. Orange Cassidy gets a lot of shit thrown his way. And we have said a lot of things to each other off-camera and on-camera about him. Yes, I have. (laughs) But the fact of the matter is, he did a good job with the championship matches that he had. Yeah. He held the belt for a long time, regardless of the reasons for. He helped make that belt important. He helped establish and make that belt look important. Which, if anything, now, I just said to you today... Now, honestly, now, the the international title is their secondary title. Yeah, it's not the TNT title no, anymore. No, like, the international title is their intercontinental title now. Yes. And, you know, it has to do with the quality of the matches and also the, 
you know, it's kind of like what we were talking about before with Seth Rollins, like, should he lose the title of Nakamura, blah, blah, blah. It's like these long reigns are now helping not just the wrestler, but it's also helping the story and it's also helping the belt. Like, they're doing more for the title in this instance because you're giving it a prestigious enough reign. And when you that do, being said... And when you do that, the belt helps make the wrestler who next holds it. And that being said, too, the writing was on the wall since this pay-per-view was announced for this match that Moxley was going to take this belt. Oh, totally. Because the story has been, I'm hurt, I got nothing less, this bag I'm, is getting heavier and I'm heavier. I'm tired, and I'm beat and up. Yet, and now I'm going to go against like the toughest lion in the cage... Who literally doesn't give a fuck about you. And he mauled him. And tire <laughs> is the right word because he mauled him. He mauled him throughout the majority of this. Like he, he was a bloody mess by the end of this match. Yeah. Uh, no, I mean, if anything, yeah, it, it was good. It, it, it did what it needed to do. Orange Cassidy fucking went out on his shield. He went on his shield. Do you think he, like, went over on his shield? Like, too much was done to him. Like, not saying that, like, it didn't need to go the same length. But, like, it almost was to the point where, like, okay, you've literally... You gotta run him over you've literally truck. You've literally dropped him out of an airplane. <laughs> yeah, and like, he's still king out of two. And it's gonna take, like, what? One Death Rider? I mean... Two Death Riders? One, two, three? It, did, it took two. Uh, could, you know what way, I mean? So, yeah, in a way, yes... But in a way, no. Because when he hit that first Death Rider, he didn't, like, kick out emphatically. Like, he barely just, like, lifelessly lifted his shoulder up after that. And then when he got up and for the second one, like, he he pretty much knew for the story that he was he was done. So he's like, ah, And just you. threw up the double birds and was like, just finish me off. Almost like being like, look, just put me out of my fucking misery so I can, I don't have to do this anymore. And he hit like the, he hit the, the fucking implant death rider and got the one, two, three. Um, Gets a standing O at the end of the show too. Well, yeah. I mean, if anything, he kind of deserved one with the run he'd been on. So do I think too much was done to him? Maybe in a way, yes, but I think it was done in a way where it didn't, it wasn't overly ridiculous, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. But yeah, he mauled him. Like, he was a bloody mess. Like, there was blood all over the announce desk, like, on the floor. Moxley didn't bleed for once, which was shocking, because he bleeds all the time. I think if that was the case, because now we saw blood between him, Darby, and Rick, well, uh, the, the strap match. I feel like, as much as it was great to see Darby bleed and kind of helping Luchasaurus in that sense... There should have been no blood in that match to separate the yeah. two bloods from start to finish. Because honestly, team. when you look at it, those two matches were kind of very much similar. Yeah. It was somebody just taking a vicious beating from another guy. Yeah, I mean, like, Luchasaurus hit three tombstones in a row almost. Yeah, well, he did. That was just, that was ridiculous. <laughs> but that was that match. This is this match. Uh, your star rating for this. I would probably give this... I'm between three and three quarters and four. Like, where am I leaning here? I probably will say I'll go with a solid four. Okay. So, based on your rankings and this, the match of the nights for AEW was either between Omega and Takeshka or Moxley and Orange. Yeah. And then, overall, the match of the weekend, then, in your opinion, then, 
was the street fight between Finn and Priest versus Owens and Zayn. Yes. Would you still concur with that? I would think I would still concur with that. So, based on the two shows then, I mean, one had 13 matches. You didn't watch three of them. So, 10 matches compared to six. What was the better show and why? Jeez. Well, I mean, if you were looking at pure averages, All In would have, all in would have had to have been the better show just based on the fact that they had more matches. I think... But at the same time, a lot of stuff that happened on All In, I expected to happen. Like, there wasn't a lot of, like, intrigue going into it. It pretty much was like, I, I know exactly how most of these matches are going to play out. Sure. There was maybe, like, one that surprised me, and that was Takeshita getting the win. I mean, you could say the same thing about Payback, but, like, the one thing that, the big match that happened that surprised me at Payback was that street fight, because I did not expect that to happen at all the way that ended. Title change, you mean? Yes, the title change with the Judgment Day. It's weird. It's hard because Payback was a show, like I said earlier, that had no was way better than it had any right to be. Right. All Out was a show that, if anything, had to be good. Based on the fact that they're coming so close off of another like monumental landmark pay per view seven days prior, and this this show really because it was kind of put together literally within the last week. And coming off of the CM Punk drama that had just happened two days beforehand. It's like, if anything, All Out almost was like had to be a reset pay-per-view for AEW. It was like, okay, we've had, we, we're putting all that shit in the past. Mm. We have to move forward now. Let's put on a great show and let everybody forget about that. Which one was better? Before you give yours, I'll just say Payback. I like shorter matches. I don't need... 13 matches on a card. No. I thought that the matches that were on Payback, even the ones that were kind of lull, uh-huh. were still better than the matches that were lulls for AEWs. I was go- I would. I was probably going to go lean more towards Payback as well. I think that the matches... Payback was lean, mean, to the point. It did everything it needed to do. And yes, I agree with you. The matches that were, that were more so the lull points of Payback were still better than All Outs. Yeah. Like, I think the cage match, by a hair, to me, was, was probably the best match of the, or match of the weekend. I, I mean, I can't say you're wrong. No, I know. I can't say you're wrong about that. And because of that, it's like, if you had the best match, does that always include you had the best show? In my opinion, this time it does. So, at least that's my personal opinion. That's Jordan's. We had a lot that we talked about here today. We're going to get out of here because there is a lot to sink into. And I'm sure more drama is going to be happening in the next week and a half or so let's be fucking honest and of course you know i'm sure we'll be back next week with jordan giving his um uh, you know insight as to why he's wrong and apparently Meltzer's right uh when it comes to his rankings of both payback and aew's all out no that's not what it is at all well, it's, it's why I, he's wrong and i'm right well i mean that's that's to the eye of the beholder at that point but. I'm not going to argue why I'm wrong. Like, why would I do that? <laughs> uh, besides the fact that we hope you guys had a great time listening to the podcast. And again, big shout out to King Moon Racer for our new theme song, uh, Just One Bullet. Uh, we are big fans of them, and we are super duper excited to be able to check out everything that they have on their socials that are tagged with us. And again, find everything for Schwa Wars for us. Uh, for next week's episodes, right now, I have nothing in the books right now planned for it. 
Um, but I'm sure we'll come up with something and promote the hell out of it. And you guys will hopefully download it and check it out because we appreciate the, the views, the listens, and all that jazz. Till then, ladies and gentlemen, my name's Adam Hayes. Thank you very much, and we'll catch you on the next one.